hoping to get across in these conversations that, that you're having as a part of this? Just wanting to bring awareness to my neighborhood, my community, um, to let people know there are good people, hardworking people um, in this area. You've probably heard a statistic about the 63106 zip code. A study out of Washington University six years ago found that residents in this part of North St. Louis City face life expectancy rates 18 years lower than their counterparts in Clayton 63105. That statistic is now everywhere because it says everything about St. Louis disparities. There's a, a great uh, bonding of uh, neighbor to neighbor. Hmm. Uh, there are a lot of problems. There's you know, gangs and, and things like that, but the, the, the good folks that are there, they, they need to have each other's backs, and they do have each other's uh, backs. I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. And before we move on, I want to remind you that the biggest source of St. Louis Public Radio's funding comes from listeners like you. Because you value what you hear on St. Louis on the Air, donate today. Go to stlpr.org donate. That's stlpr.org donate. Journalist Richard Weiss wanted to go beyond the statistics. He is the founder of the nonprofit Racial Equity Storytelling Collaborative Before Ferguson, Beyond Ferguson. And earlier this year, he decided to use that initiative to tell the stories of the people living in the 63106 zip code. That includes the city's Old North, Carr Square, Columbus Square, and Jeff Vanderloo neighborhoods. Dick, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sarah. So what came first for you, this 63106 project or the global pandemic? Uh, it, all, it was all of a piece. We were uh, we created our nonprofit um, a couple of years ago, and we're just telling, uh, following up on uh, the suggestions from the uh, Ferguson Commission to, to achieve racial equity. And uh, we're doing kind of long form stories about once a quarter, putting them out there with our media partners and with the help of the Pulitzer Center that provided funding. And then the uh, the pandemic came along. And uh, I realized that we needed to do things uh, with a little bit more urgency. Maybe the story should be shorter as well and to find even more partners. And uh, 63106 stood out as a, 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 a real um, center of um, uh, a problematic center uh, that we were, I was lucky enough to be familiar with. I'd been working in that neighborhood uh, when I was at the Post-Dispatch uh, 20 years ago and I knew people there. And I knew that they were uh, vulnerable to the pandemic, uh, even more so than uh, those that study would suggest, because that study took place, of course, well before the pandemic came mm -hmm. along. So, so this project, you've now featured eight different families in the zip code. There's been several stories written about some of them. Um, were those connections from your time at the Post-Dispatch as a reporter, were those helpful in initially getting people to be willing to be trusted to let this, this new project tell their story? Yeah, I was very, very fortunate uh, in that I uh, had established, uh, done uh, a series of stories there, and uh, some of those, believe it or not, uh, some of those people, some of the um, social workers and so on, were still working in the in the neighborhood, hmm. and so I was able to reach out to them, and I, and I said, can you put me in touch with some folks who um, that we might write about, and um, one person in particular, Marlene Hodges, was so valuable. She works uh, for McCormick Barron, 
uh, that is a developer um, in that neighborhood, and she was able to put me in touch with a lot of great people. Hmm. And so many good stories have come from this. The latest installment in the series is out this week. It's published in both the Jewish Light newspaper and the St. Louis American, and this is titled Misha Marshall is Praying and Caring for All of Us. And the author turns out to be a high school senior. That's Layla Fern King. And Layla Fern King is with us today. So Layla Fern, welcome. Thank you. And we're also joined by the story's subject, and that is Misha Marshall. Misha, welcome. Uh, Misha, are you there? Hello. How oh, are you? hi. I'm, I'm glad to hear you there. I thought for a minute we were having a connection problem. Misha, when did you first learn that a journalist was interested in telling your story? Well, I was contacted by Richard while I was at work one evening, and he explained what the project was about. And he asked if I would be interested, and I said, "Sure, why not?" That, um, I, you were just like that. I mean, you didn't you didn't yeah. pause to think, "Do I want to do I want to put this all out there?" <laughs> I did think for a moment, but you know, I, we all have an opportunity to tell our story one way or another. Hmm. Well, the story turned out great. Layla Fern, tell me, what was your first interview with Misha like? I know there there is this pandemic going on. Were you guys able to meet yeah. in person? Yeah, so we actually met over Zoom one night in August, I believe. So we did not get the opportunity to meet in person, but it was really lovely. Misha's a really nice person, and we connected pretty easily over Zoom, and she was really lovely to talk to. So it's so clear just from the minute you talk to Misha, it's it's so clear what a positive person she is. And as you say, she's just so nice. Was it hard to push past the surface and get your relationship to the point where you could talk about some some serious things as well? Honestly, it wasn't at all. Misha's really open, too, and that's one of my uh, favorite parts of her personality. She's very loving and welcoming, as you can tell in the story as well, but it's even more prevalent in person, well, over Zoom, <laughs> and uh, talking to her. I, you can really see it. So, Misha, give us a little bit of a history. How long has your family been living in the 63106? We've been in the 63106 zip code well over 22 years now. Um, my dad, as Layla wrote in the story, he um, bought this property back in 1997. So we um, have been over here. It's been awesome for us to be a part of this community. I haven't um, had many negative, if any, um, negative things to say at all about my my part of 63106, I should say. Hmm. So you're unusual, as you mentioned. Uh, your family owns their home. You're among just 16% of residents within that zip that, that own homes. Has the neighborhood or even your corner of the neighborhood changed uh, during the, the couple decades your family's been there? The neighborhood has changed. There's been some development, of course, but then there also have been some challenges in the area. Um, of course, some of the statistics that were listed in the article um, hold true. And a lot of that, I don't know if it's due to the um, surrounding areas and the situations of those people involving um, their situation. I'm not sure. But mm -hmm. yeah, there have been some challenges. Um and some changes, some good and some not so good. It sounds like you still feel committed to this neighborhood. You you feel overall it's been a positive. Yes, I do. Um, I know that there is going to be a lot of great things coming to the neighborhood. I really don't see myself leaving um, 
this part of the community because of the things that I know that are coming. So, so yeah. So Dick, this series, um, a different chapter in this series, I believe D- Denise Hollinshead wrote it. She profiled Beverly Jones, and she also had some options outside the neighborhood, but she was absolutely determined to stay. She felt that same commitment to it that we're hearing from Misha. As you started getting to know people in this neighborhood, did that surprise you to, to see people feeling that commitment to what can be a, a tough place to live? Well, it, it didn't surprise me. I guess it goes against stereotype a little bit, uh, but because I'd been uh, spent some years um, in the neighborhood uh, with folks, um, you see that the uh, there's a, a great uh, bonding of uh, neighbor to neighbor. Hmm. Uh, there are a lot of problems. There's you know gangs and, and things like that, but the, the the good folks that are there, they they need to have each other's backs. And they do have each other's uh, backs, and uh, that's a, 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 ter- a terrific uh, part of how resilient uh, the folks are there. But they also are, are dealing with uh, uh, systems uh, that are really go against them, really are really challenging. And that's what we wanted to uh, uh, portray here: is that uh, if you if you you know live in Clayton or you live in a more privileged area. You're not up against these kinds of issues that are, you know, really no fault of your own. Mm-hmm. But access to health care, access to good schools, uh, the um, just uh, getting to um, a, a grocery store uh, uh, for fresh food can, can be a challenge. And uh, we want uh, people to um, engage with that, people outside this neighborhood, and realize that uh, the people in these neighborhoods want the same things that, for their kids that... Um, uh, everybody wants for their children and to see some uh, uh, have some empathy uh, mm-hmm. and uh, for, for folks who are living here and and then to engage the citizens and think about well what's one thing I can do uh, to um, address the racial equity issues in our in our region. And, you know, on top of all of these systemic issues that the series has done a great job of bringing out, there's also ones that are unique to each family. And, you know, reading Layla Fern's story about Misha, I was struck by just how many people Misha is taking care of. Uh, Misha, you've got a you've got a pretty uh, heavy load there. You have both your parents, uh, your sister. Your sister has cerebral palsy. You have a couple kids. Um, how has the pandemic made it even harder to handle these, these burdens that you've got on you right now? The pandemic has made it harder because I'm just fearful that I'm going to bring something home to one of my family members. Mm-hmm. Um, as you read in the story, my dad, he's diabetic. My mom has heart disease. My sister, she has cerebral palsy. And while my kids might be in perfect health, I still could potentially put them at risk. So it's just the unknown, just going out into the unknown coming back and potentially um making a family member sick, it, it gives you almost um, anxiety at times because <laughs> you just get so worrisome and it's just like you don't want to be antisocial, but it's kind of like stand back, get her. <laughs> and Misha, are you still there? I felt like your your connection just went out there for a sec. Um I'm I'm hoping Misha's still there. We'll we'll see if we can get that connection back. Um, Layla Fern, you really went deep on some of these things that Misha's dealing with, and, and she's an essential worker. She doesn't have the the ability to just do her job from home if she wants to. Yeah, she she's incredible. She as she was talking about before, um, she cut off a little bit. 
she is an essential worker. She's constantly working with patients and she's taking care of her family members at all times. Her kids help a lot too, which is lovely, but she's she's doing so much all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Dick, I got to ask you something as it relates to Layla Fern. I mean, most of the journalists you're publishing through this project have been writing professionally for a very long time. As I mentioned, Layla Fern is a high school senior. What made you decide to take a chance on a rookie? Well, uh, you know, uh, I would say... Uh, I got familiar uh, with uh, Layla Fern's work uh, through her dad, uh, Chris King, who uh, until recently was the, a longtime editor of the St. Louis American. He would post her work on uh, on Facebook, and I said, boy, this is an impressive young woman. And then I had the, uh, uh, sort of serendipitously, had the uh, opportunity to meet Layla Fern when I went to a, uh, a, a funeral for uh, Shiva, as we call it in the Jewish community, uh, for a mutual friend, and I got a chance to talk with her, and um, I'm think- and this is all happening as I'm looking around uh, for talent, for people to work on these stories, and uh, so I just got in touch with Layla Fern, I said, well, you, you want to try to take this on, and uh, boy, she took to it. I feel like I, you know, what, what, uh, caught a rising star here, and uh, I'm going to claim a lot of credit for it when she's um, uh, <laughs> like famous, all good editors you know? do. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> now, Layla, you're you're straddling two worlds here. You attend John Burroughs School, that's in mm-hmm. one of the area's most affluent suburbs. Um, yeah. Working on this project, what do you make of the dichotomy between life in Ladue and life mm-hmm. in six three one zero six? So this is something I think of think about a lot actually because. Um, A problem in a lot of, like, zip codes similar to 63106 is the over-policing that happens in these communities as a result of the demographics. And that's something I'm lucky to not experience in Ladue, where I go to school in Chesterfield, where I live. And I think you look at these disparities, and I'm very lucky to live in such a privileged area and to benefit from such privileges. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like this, uh, your eyes were already open to some of these, even though it's, it's helped to hit it home um, even more. Yeah, definitely. I, It's something I think of a lot, but I'm definitely thinking of a lot more often now that I'm working with Dick and Misha and writing stories for the project. Uh, Misha, I understand you're back with us. Can you hear me? I am back. Oh, we're so glad to have you back. Thank you so much. (laughs) Misha, I understand part of this is you're not just telling your story to Layla Fern and then she's publishing it, but there's also a component where you guys are now sort of telling this story together in in meetings with people. Um, What are you hoping to get across in these conversations that that you're having as a part of this? Just wanting to bring awareness to my neighborhood, my community, um, to let people know there are good people, hardworking people, Um, in this area, it's not just what is, you know, labeled what we see in the media and on the news every day. There are some great people who want to make change in this neighborhood and bring it back to the way it used to be. And and you feel like, you mentioned before, you feel like that's going to happen, that there are some big good things that are are about to happen here. What do you, what do you rest your hope in when it comes to that? Well, again, um, just more people being interested in being homeowners, the new development that is coming to the area with the NGA, um, a lot of the new jobs and small businesses that are opening. So people are interested in coming back to this neighborhood to make it a better place. 
Dick, are you overall seeing that optimism from the people that, that have been profiled for this project, that people feel like this neighborhood maybe has a chance that to turn around some of these disparities and, and some of these, these problems? Yeah, it, it cuts both ways, uh, Sarah. Uh, if you were to look, for instance, at uh, the participation in uh, the election, uh, the, uh, the turnout in 63106 was higher uh, than it had been, but not as high as the rest of the city. Uh, and, and so that that's, uh, would indicate uh, some pessimism. And mm. uh, another part of this is that uh, people are, are a little suspicious with the NGA coming in that the, uh, they're going to get pushed out, that, the, uh, they, that they don't have a voice. So and many people are not homeowners. Right, and so uh, they're a little bit at the mercy of um, uh, the developers and uh, the uh, people uh, who, who are driving this. And so it's a little bit of a wait and see. And I think uh, if people step up um, and uh, insist that uh, the residents are, are taken care of and jobs are, uh, you know, they're, they're included in, in the job picture, uh, it can be a great thing. But I think it's, a, you know, pretty much a, a wait and see thing. That's one of, the, uh, one of our people who are involved in this uh, uh, effort uh, are uh, one of the families are, are, are really uh, going to be active in, uh, in uh, making sure that that happens, that they have a voice. Well, that's great that, that people are being proactive about making sure they, they get that voice at the table. And uh, Misha, the one thing that just has come across talking to you and come across reading Layla Fern's story is, is what an optimist you are. And I was so struck by a quote that you gave Layla Fern. You said you do see some good in this pandemic. You said, quote, it's made people learn to be people again. Uh, what did you mean by that? What I meant by that was, you know, we all get caught up in our busy lives before po- or pre-COVID, I should say. Everyone was too busy. People didn't have time. You know, everyone had an agenda or schedule. Now it's made people stop and think and realize life is too short. Let's embrace the moment. Let's take time for one another. Let's pray for one another. Let's do what we need to do to be human again, be people again, and I just feel like people have people as a whole, the entire world for the most part, has realized that tomorrow isn't promised. Let's embrace one another, let's love one another, and let's just do what we need to do to be the change that we want to see. Well, those are some inspiring words there. Misha Marshall, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And Layla Fern King, thank you so much for joining us, and congratulations on this byline. Your story turned out amazing. I know. Thank you. <laughs> and Dick Weiss of uh, Before Ferguson, Beyond Ferguson, and the 63103 pro- 63106 Project, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thank you, Sarah. Appreciate it. And Dick, you're going to keep this project going in the new year. Is that the plan? Yeah, we are uh, going to uh, all through uh, 2021. Basically, as long as the pandemic is going, we will have a 63106 project. And I think you can tell from the news reports that uh, (laughs) it could be a while. We're not not all going to get vaccinated uh, probably until uh, late summer. uh, and, And there'll be things that uh, to write and report about even even beyond that so there's there's a lot of work to do so this project continues and you can find out more about it at before ferguson beyond ferguson.org we also have a link on our website that's stlpublicradio.org that is the 63106 project there's just some great journalism going on there this is st louis on the air on st louis public radio 90.7 kwmu
Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.